Good evening, welcome to NUFC Matters. It's Tuesday night, it's time for Liam Kennedy to uh, give us some exclusives and uh, spill the beans on uh, which loan signings we're going to get in in the next two weeks. <laughs> Good evening, Good evening, Liam. Hi, evening. I think it'll be a short programme if we're going to talk about that. <laughs> yes, uh, transfer deadline day went with a whimper yesterday. Obviously, uh, we did still bring in the uh, the next Nobby Solano, which I suppose was something. But um, I think we all expected it, Liam. We didn't expect a great deal of business. And uh, the uh, the subsequent photos of Steve Bruce at an airport swigging a pint of Guinness, I think, told us where we were going to be um, on transfer deadline day as, uh, as, as the clock um, hit the magic hour and uh, we knew there wasn't anybody else coming in on a permanent basis yeah I think that's a thing I've said it on a couple of weeks uh, for a couple of weeks now on here that it was always going to be out before ins and the problem that Newcastle United have had I wrote a piece on it today actually if anybody out there has read it was that they just they didn't they were unable in the final weeks of the window to really trim the fat off this squad the, there's 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 three or four players in and around the fringes who've contributed absolutely nothing to this team uh, over a long period of time. It's three, Rolando Ahrens, uh, Ashraf Lazar, Henri Saive. Um, then you've got players that the manager himself who's deemed surplus to requirements. So you've got Christian Atsu, DeAndre Yedlin. And there's others as well that, that probably could have went from that squad. Fabian Shaw was offered around, offered around half of Europe at the start of the summer. Um, didn't, didn't happen, didn't come off. And I think Steve Bruce was largely relying, once they'd signed the players that they did, relying on getting two or three of those players out of the door. They were just simply unable um, to get anywhere near getting anybody out the door. DeAndre Yedlin's had interest. Christian Atsu's had interest. Um, but DeAndre Yedlin looks like a player who's going to sit here and, and, and play out his final year his contract. Um, so that's proved problematic. They wanted him out the door. Um, it's not that he hasn't been a... I know I am a bit in the dark. You know what? <laughs> Oh, I do need light. It was too light last week. Now I'm too dark this week. Um, <laughs> I'm in. I'm actually. I'm in the back room with my mom's because you're uh, in the books, obviously. Uh, no, not quite. Not quite. Uh, there's a bit of work going on in hours. That's my excuse anyway. There's a bit of work going on in hours, so so I'm in the back room with my mom's. Um, <laughs> you'll you'll know if I'm in next week whether I'm in the bad books or not. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's it, it's been a. It's been a really quiet end of the window. It's been um, it, it was it was disappointing in a lot of ways. I think if if they'd really pushed the ball out and tried to get somebody in on loan, like Aston Villa did, getting in a Ross Barkley who really made a difference for them at the weekend, um, a Ruben Loftus Cheek who, yes, of course, he's been out of form, um, out of fitness at Chelsea. Um, if you'd got somebody in like that, like Fulham did, um, then then I think a lot of people would have been swayed to thinking this was a very very good summer transfer window. Um, it, it hasn't it hasn't reflected well on them that they didn't do that business. I think for me, if you ask us brutally honestly, I think that's I think it was a good summer because when I'll be careful my win here, when when the, the takeover talk went sideways, didn't go backwards when it went sideways. Um, yeah. I think everybody, if they're honest with themselves, feared that um that we wouldn't sign anybody, that Mike Ashley would shut up shop because he'd be so intent on, on um, using this as an excuse, which he has done in the past. Um, he didn't, and, and he allowed the club to spend the money that was the club's own money. Um, and, and they have brought good players in. They brought a centre-forward in who would probably complement any side in the division, uh, bar the top two or three. Um, and I think they've brought in um, other players, a left-back. It's been a problematic position. I'm not saying Jamal Lewis has had the greatest start of life in black and white, but... Um, Liverpool were after him earlier this summer. He's an international and he's primarily proven. So it's a solid signing. It's the type of signing Newcastle haven't made under Mike Ashley and in previous years. Um, they've gone and signed two midfielders who, again, Jeff Henrik, big question marks over his start to life in black and white. Um, and Ryan Fraser hasn't really had a good run yet because of um, his lack of fitness over the summer and not having played since March. But those, I've said on here before, they were probably two of the, um, two of the, the stellar free transfers um, in the Premier League, in your Castanets category, um, so I think I think overall the business that they've done, and, and I'm not going to forget Mark Gillespie in this, to be honest as well. Yeah, I think having a, a keeper like Mark Gillespie who who's come in and, and challenged, forget the the mistake. Yes, of course he made a mistake in the last game, um, but he came in um, 
he came in and he's pushed Caldolo, and it's absolutely no surprise that Caldolo, who was going to be a shoe in at the start of the summer, he had to be the number. He had to come in when Martin Dubravka was injured, and um, because there was yeah. nobody else, he's been pushed, and, and it's no surprise that he's been um, probably the informed goalkeeper in the division because of that. Because you need competition in places um, to, to get the best out of people, um, and I think I think Mark Gillespie's played played a part in that as well. Uh, Tom's asking a question. Um, paper talk, I suppose, but Jack Wilshire, free agent, Danny Welbeck. Have you heard any news on any loan deals coming in? There's still a little bit of time to do some loan business, Liam. Uh, I think Jack Wilshire's it. No, not not for me. I'd be very, very surprised if Newcastle United are sniffing around that. I'd be very, very surprised if there's many clubs in the Premier League sniffing around that, given the wages that he's on. Uh, the money he commands and the, the the end product you get out of it because there's no guarantee he's going to stay f- uh, fit. He's a very, very good player, always has been when he's on form. Um, top class player in England international. He really is. He's an excellent footballer, but I think he's gone over the hill. I think there's been too many injuries um, and I just don't think it's worth front of West Ham and I think be very surprised if he pops up somewhere on the kind of money that he was on. Uh, Danny Welbeck's an interesting one because I remember being on here earlier in the summer and saying I wouldn't touch him with a barge pole. Um, I probably would now. Um, and the reason I say that is because we're not looking for a number one striker. We're actually looking for a backup. Um, and I think somebody like a Danny Welbeck could complement the squad that we already have. Um, although, in a lot of ways, Joe Linton um, off the left sometimes, although he's been number 10 recently at times and off the front, um, probably plays that role to a degree. Um, but I probably would consider a Danny Welbeck. But again, the big caveat with a Danny Welbeck is the money. Um, he was on big money at Watford, and anywhere he goes in the Premier League, he'll also be on big money. So I think there's a problem there. Um, but he will pop up somewhere. Somebody will take a risk on a Danny Welbeck. Although he even scored, he scored two goals last season um, in the Premier League. Um, he's a good player. And he's got pedigree in the top division. So I think somebody will take take a risk on him as a free transfer. Do I think it'll be Newcastle? I'd be very, very, very surprised if Newcastle United dip into the market for a Wilshire or a Welbeck. Yeah, I'd be surprised as well. Uh, the big uh, the big talking point, of course, wasn't um, players, but it was bread. <laughs> it even got its own hashtag on Twitter. Um, with, a lot of pe- with a lot of people making um you know presumptions about nick demarco's tweet um two bottles of brown ale at the bottom there the bread allegedly cut into 80 percent 10 percent 10 percent the champagne being a black and white champagne so come on what is what does all that mean mad marks is uh, nick demarco made transfer deadline day more exciting than usual with his baked bread cryptic tweet Another picture today in black and white with obvious cardiogram takeover message not dead in the water. Now, interesting tweet by somebody I've never heard of. I've got to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, read into that what you will as well. Ryan E. Main on Twitter tonight saying that the buyers claim positive talks between the Premier League and Newcastle United legal teams took place yesterday. Newcastle legal team are competent that matters will be resolved outside of any courts and allow for the takeover to take place prior to January transfer window. Talks resume Friday. Now, my sources say um, that's news to them so i wouldn't get carried away with ryan's tweet and i certainly wouldn't get carried away with nick demarco's bread photograph but um nick demarco isn't somebody who would be putting stuff out there um certainly not subliminal messages unless there was a reason to do so very you know bright educated guy gets paid a lot of money for for fighting these kind of battles one would imagine there was a reason for putting that out so whether that was that you know, maybe things have started to move. Um, I would presume that the only person who is going to be able to answer that question, of course, is Mike Ashley in the in the the selling side, because that is who has hired Nick DeMarco. So wheels possibly could be in motion, Liam. Look, I, I can give my opinion on the Nick DeMarco thing. Um I, I genuinely believe look, he's a Q, he's a QC who's getting um hundreds of messages of Newcastle Native fans. Uh, daily, weekly, um, and, and I think there was deliberate messages within that within that tweet. I'm not going to say he's saying it's over. I'm not going to uh, sorry. It's it's done. It's it's um, it's coming to a conclusion. 
I genuinely think he was probably putting a message out there. And again, I qualify by this this by saying it's my opinion, is that um, he was probably just letting everybody know that he's hearing you. He's hearing the messages that you're putting to him. Um, he's hearing um, all the, the the tweets you're atting him in, all that kind of thing. Um, and I think I think it was too coincidental to see um, the way, not necessarily, I think Newcastle fans are going to be excited about the way he'd cut the bread. And that was a little, yeah. bit, a little bit too much. But I think the fact there was Newcastle Brown in the background um, and the name of the champagne being um, Blanc de Noir was, was probably, I think, a little coincidental should he have put it there and not realised the impact, given that he's getting hundreds of messages per day from Newcastle United fans um, with regards to this takeover. I think it was very deliberate what he did. The stuff today, um, yeah, I, I, I had to ask people today. People were tweeting me with all these, they were at me and all this kind of this uh, analysis of, of the, the photo of, album. Of yeah. bread. No, it wasn't the bread. It was it was some some other photograph that DeMarco had put up there with regards to photographs he's been taken in, in black and white in uh, France or something like that. And it was these people seeing the, the heart monitor at the top and it's not dead. It's not in the, it's not dead in the water because the heart monitor was above the water. Come on now. You might be right, but I feel this is just getting a little bit far. Um I kind of did buy into the Newcastle Brown. I did buy into the, even I could even push you for the Guinness in the background of that first bread photo. Um, but um yeah, I, I think he was probably kind of letting everybody know that things are still ongoing, and we know they are. Things are still ongoing. They're not. They're not. They're not dead in the water, just, despite what the analysis of people online might say. Um, and I think things still are ongoing. Um, but I think I think everybody in this process, um, and this is fans included, have to buy into this that that we're almost certainly playing the long game. Um, and I think the more people realise that, the better. I think personally, I think. It's not something that, that's going to pop up immediately in the next week, in the next month. Don't take too much literally from what Nick DeMarco said, but but I do think this is something that's going on in the background and, and it's something that we can take, definitely take some kind of um, positives from. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you know, you know my my feeling on all of this. I've I've put the takeover to the back of my mind. You know what I mean? It's not something I'm thinking of. Just concentrate yeah. on the football. It'll happen when it happens. And um, you know, from our perspective, it's uh, it's great that you know something could still be going on. So let's just wait and see. Um, maybe we'll get a really nice Christmas present um, after the horrendous 2020 we've had away from football, never mind, you know, with, with this takeover that's been hanging over. Um, big shout out to our sponsors. Uh, over 300 of you watching, so please hit the little thumb, click like. It's free. Do it. It helps the video. Uh, if you're a first-time visitor, please subscribe as well. If you want to join and chuck a couple of quid in, please do. Darren Baldwin Funerals, they chucked a couple of quid in. They're, they're our main sponsor. Big shout out to the lads at Darren Baldwin Funerals. And a big shout out to QTech. Now, QTech, um, great guys there. Uh, uk makes snooker tables and pool tables. Sponsor us as well. However, they have come forward with the T-shirts. So the T-shirts are on sale because I was wearing the snazzy T-shirt for a couple of weeks. I uh, had it on yesterday and um, people said, where can we get them T-shirts? And I said, well, somebody just knocked it up for us to, to wear while I was doing the show. Well, it was QTech, which is a big, big shout out to them. They've done some limited edition T-shirts. Some people have already bought them, which is great. Um, so it's got NUFC matters in the corner, a nice blue star with uh, the tying on, etc. Um, if you want to buy one, get yourself on NewcastleLegends.com. And uh, you can get one. Uh, they're really nice, good quality, as you've seen the one I've got. Anybody wants one, get yourself on NewcastleLegends.com. While you're on there, the tickets are on sale. Me and Liam will be at this, along with Lee Clark and a few other faces from the different shows, uh, all being well uh, at the Irish Centre in Newcastle, stone's throw from St. James's Park, in aid of the food bank. We're going to be doing a little talking, me and Clarky, and uh, there'll be raffles, auctions, a bit of music. The bar will be open, whether it's table service then, who knows? We might even be able to go to the bar ourselves like adults. It would be great, wouldn't it? But uh, 12 quid, the tickets are on sale on www.newcastlelegends.com. So uh, get your tickets now, probably uh, 
probably got about 50 of those left. We're limited to 80 tickets. So don't hang back thinking I'll get them later. And uh, don't worry about refunds. If the event gets cancelled, we're happy to refund you 100%. So, uh, yeah, back to the uh, back to the questions. Uh, Alan Thompson says, Liam, have we a chance of winning the Premier League? After our huge spend as the smaller clubs like Man United and Man City have started so badly. What a weekend that was, Liam, wasn't it? What a weekend. Manchester United losing 6-1. Liverpool getting whopped, and I mean whopped, by Villa, of all teams, 7-2. I mean, the world's gone mad. It has, and I think it's very reflective of the, the new uh, normal of football, to be honest. I don't think... Um, there's been some discourse, some some talks um, I've seen with people... Um, conversations had with regards what what football is now compared to what it used to be, um, and I think I think it is very different. I think I think the lack of crowds has a big big impact on um, on performances of teams. I think there's times in game. I think you, you're seeing a lot of Newcastle against Brighton was one. Um, Newcastle being involved in Newcastle against Burnley was another. You see you see some very one sided contests, although you very rarely do see the the score lines that we did see so close together on Sunday. Um, but I think the lack of crowds, the lack of atmosphere, the lack of adrenaline in the ground, the lack of uh, emotion and noise, I honestly think it's having a big impact on performances. I think when things start going the opposite way to what you want them to for your team, it's very hard. There isn't that There isn't that backup whereby, right, somebody will find you attacking and it'll start getting everybody up for it and you'll remember where you are and you'll see the people, you'll see the faces when you go for a throw-in. There isn't any of that now. It's very sterile. Um, and there's a lot of kickabouts happening on, on training pitches um, everywhere, whether that be um, 11v11s within squads. They'll be very one-sided. When, when the momentum goes one way, it'll go all that way. And, and we're actually starting to maybe see some of that um, out there in on, on the football pitch, which is quite incredible. Um, with regards to starts that, that the top sides have made, um, Man United look like they're in trouble to me. They really do look like, we've said that before, but they're, they're not a good side. They're, they're not good defensively. Um, David De Gea has went from being probably the best goalkeeper on the planet three or four years ago to somebody who consistently lets a lot of goals in and consistently makes mistakes. Um, like I say, the defence isn't anything to, to uh, shout home about. And they've got some really good homegrown players in the forward line, and they've added players recently. But I think there's big question marks about their their performance. Um, Man City's in a really really interesting one, um, and Liverpool Liverpool less so. I think Liverpool are still a very good side, um, and I still think they will they'll they'll give that back. Whatever they got on Sunday, they'll give that back to two or three sides as well. Man City probably will to an extent, but but there are question marks about Pep Guardiola. Has he had the impact that everybody thought he would have on English football the length of time that he's been here? I think he probably expected he would have a bigger impact. He has had a big impact because he dragged everybody else, else up with him in the style of management that he has, um, in the quality of football, the quality of players. But have they won as many trophies? Have they produced um, the, the title-winning sides that we thought they might under Guardiola? And have they had, most importantly of all this, have they had that impact on Europe? And no, they haven't. They've had absolutely no impact on Europe, um, considering how dominant in, in a lot of senses, especially in the financial sense, that they've been in English football over the last few years. So, so yeah, Newcastle United can, maybe can win the Premier League. You never know, do you? Um, but, but yeah, Let's look at it from a from perspective, and is that not a good thing for, for football, that it is unpredictable, that this season is totally mental, that Everton can win games left, right and centre. They've also got a very good manager and signed some very good players. Aston Villa can do well. Leeds United with a good manager can do well. I know that will not be popular with everybody out there, of course, but <laughs> um, it's actually good for English football that, that there is more to it than just this um, plain boring six that um, everybody sort of seems to think that it is. English football is about a lot more than that and that's why we love it so and that's why so many people around the world have taken to our form of football is that it, it, it is strong, it, it's got depth and um, there's a lot of good clubs with good history um, and there's a lot of teams that can upset people on any given day and you're United being one of them. Yeah, uh, can you answer that question from Mark? Um, yes, yeah, so, so transfers still can happen between um, uh, clubs below. It's the international window that's closed. Ah, right, yeah. So effectively, uh, there can be no international deals that are done. 
Um, and there can also uh, be no um, like intra Premier League deals done, but deals can be done with teams below that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yano says it was a mistake to keep Carroll. It's been obvious for years. He's just not up to it. That would have given us a chance to get a loaner in. Yeah, he's uh, he's going to stick with Carroll. I think he's probably keeping him because of his his attitude around the training ground and uh, behind the scenes. If if I'm perfectly honest, would you agree, Liam? Yeah, I think he's I think he's a voice, and I think he's a big member of the squad, um, more than what he is an impact on the pitch. And and I've been on here before and said I'm a big fan of Carroll in some ways, but even I'm losing a little bit of patience this season. I genuinely think his legs have totally gone. Um, I think we've seen that it was meat and drink when he played against uh, Newport for the defenders. They were he was so easy to deal with, um, and the way that the rest of the players around him want to play, Carroll really doesn't fit in with. Um, with what um, an Almiron or St Maximin or uh, Wilson, uh, who've got pace, Fraser, um, break. Carroll doesn't fit in that. He's not quick enough. He can't get there. Carroll is a plan B, and he's a decent plan B, but that's all he can ever be. In my eyes, um, is that he's, he's an option off the bench, as he was at Tottenham, because he'd win a header at the back post and he might win you something. And he'll also, if you're 1-0 up, you might defend enough at the other end. You win set pieces and corners at the front post uh, every day of the week. So I think there's a decent plan B or plan C to have. The problem that Newcastle Knight have got now is that they don't really have. I'm going to I'm going to put Carroll as a plan C because plan B for me is 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 we should have probably got a striker in to to either support Callum Wilson or to provide cover should he get injured. And I think that's one area that Newcastle have really um, overlooked. Um, in this window is that they probably should have done some kind of business in that department um, because you, you do have to fear if Newcastle lose an Alan St Maximin um, or, and or lose a Callum Wilson that, that we're back to the, the struggles of last season because it would be pretty much the same team um, going forward when he's adding in a Ryan Fraser that, that really, really struggled last season so um, I'm happy with the business Newcastle that you've done so far uh, sorry, up to, well up to now, yes, they probably won't do any more, being completely honest. But I'm, I'm quite pleased with what they did do. And I think um, there have been success stories in that. Um, but um, could they have done more? Definitely. And I think um, we're probably only one or two injuries from those key players away from being um, probably staring over the, the disaster effectively on time time. Okay. Uh, Tom says, hi, Liam. What's your thoughts on Nathan Carolyn playing for the academy? Scored a good goal against Leeds United and he's playing well for the academy. Look, I've seen, I seen the, the team. I know they got to be 4-0 off Sunderland, um, 23s the other day, but it was a very, very young side. It seems to be like a 23 side in transition. Um, the 18s are moving up to 23s, and, and I wouldn't read too much in the result because Sunderland had some senior players playing, including uh, Benji Kimbioka and others. Um, but I would... Um, I think it's a good thing. I think I think the lads looked. I've not seen any games himself. You only see the highlights and bits of bobs you see on Twitter. But um, the lad deserves credit. He's got a fantastic goal from the halfway line a couple of weeks ago. I think that must be the one that um, they're talking about. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, so it's good. It's it's fantastic to see young players get an opportunity. We've seen young players brought into the first team squad, um, and I think Steve Bruce is quite willing to do that. So. Um, yeah, it's it's really positive that there are these young lads getting opportunities to um, set up age levels and really sure what they're about. Okay. Uh, Daniel Smith says, why do you think Bruce seems to favour Hendrick on the right-hand side? For me, he just doesn't work there, despite looking very solid. I discussed this with the girls on Ladies' Night last night. If you missed it, get yourself onto the channel. Just look for playlists and Ladies' Night. Um, it, it's just down to you know wanting to give him a game, but he seems happy with his midfield pairing, doesn't he, of Shelby and Hayden? Yeah, he does. Um, I'm not certain on that one, to be honest. I don't like I don't like Hendrick on the right, um, and I've got really uh, big question marks about John Joe Shelby in the centre as well. Um, anybody who watches this this show regularly on a weekly basis will know my um, feelings on Newcastle's centre midfield. I don't think it's dynamic enough. I don't think they've um, strengthened correctly in that department. I do think um, Jeff Hendricks is a better player than he's shown so far in black and white. And I think given a run in the centre of the park, he will show that. Um, but will he get that opportunity? Um, John Joe uh, Shelby seems to be a player that Steve Bruce has pinned his hat on um, with regards to voice in the dressing room. I would say Andy Carroll is another one of those. I would also say that um, Matt Ritchie, until his injury, was another one of those players that, that um, uh, Bruce has really uh, sort of 
put his arm around and said, you're my man in the dressing room. Um, and I think Shelby, that's a really dangerous road to walk down with regard to Shelby because he is, he's very inconsistent. He, he can be a passenger in games if it doesn't go to his flow and isn't played at his pace. Um, and I think uh, pinning your hat on somebody like that in the midfield is a concern. I look at Isaac Hayden sometimes, and, and again, he's not a player that I think is absolutely fantastic, but what he does do is he's key to this team because he's full of tackles, he's full of energy, he gets about the pitch, um, and he is key to this team. But I don't know how he doesn't get more frustrated with John Joe Shelby alongside him because um, I know if I was putting that kind of effort in that he is, that I would be frustrated if I didn't feel like somebody alongside me wasn't doing the same. And and I'm not 100% certain you can always say that John Joe Shelby puts 100% into games. Um, I'd love him to come forward and, and, and say, you know what, shut up, Liam. You, you're talking rubbish. I do. Um, but I'm not really sure he's got that in him. Um, and we'll see. Um, we'll see. He's a very questionable uh, figure to pin your hat on. And I think Steve Bruce really has. Craig Southgate, honestly, you make me feel like Harry Hill, you and Chris, both having an argument in the chat every uh, every game. Now, now, come on, Hope. Chris agrees we are allowed to talk about the takeover at night. Steve, have you asked the chat moderator? Uh, it's funny this, because there's a, there's a battle going on between Craig and Chris on the chat. I'm not sure if you watch the YouTube chat, no. but uh, he keeps calling Chris the chat moderator. So uh, <laughs> I, I, just, I think what I'm going to do is come on with a big pair of glasses and go... What are we, what are we gonna do? Fight! Remember on Harry Hill. I think I think that's what I'm gonna to have to do. Trolls goes. How do you think we will do if ASM and Wilson get injured? Great question, Trolls. It's a simple one, but it's a one that I think we all want to know the answer to, isn't it, Liam? Yeah, it is. Um, well, we don't want to find out uh, the answer to it. We've just got to hope that they do stay fit because Alan St. Maximum, when he really fancies it, is an absolute match winner for Newcastle United. We've seen that again at the weekend. And Callum Wilson, for the first time in a long while, we've got a proper, proper centre-forward. Um, earlier in the summer, I made comparisons before he even signed with regards to Les Ferdinand. He has got that little little bit of feel to him. Um, he's a fantastic centre-forward. And you can't say they've done really well to sign the player for, for such a reasonable fee. Should we lose him, we really are in, in um, troubled waters. Because who are you going to play? Um Effectively, you're going to go back to the Joe Linton experiment, which failed uh, comprehensively throughout last season. Um, I think I think Newcastle would be in trouble if, if somebody like that got injured, which is, I go back to the point I made before, that it upsets me that they didn't make an effort or a play, which they did suggest they were going to. They didn't make a play to get some kind of support and striker um, in on loan um, who could have either played with or, or come in um, and pressured Callum Wilson. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Has Lascelles got a battle on his hands to be a regular again, do you think? Probably not, no. No, I, I don't I don't think so, no. Because I think when he's fit, I think he probably plays. He's the skipper, he's the club captain, he's everything. Um, and he's a good leader. Um, yes, he's got his faults, he's not the best defender. But I think probably fully fit, he probably does play in a back two, uh, back central two with with uh, Federico Fernandez or Kieran Clark. Um, I quite like Fabian Shaw the other day, actually. Fabian Shaw came back from a, a reasonably long injury with that shoulder, and I thought he dealt with the uh, the physical challenge of Burnley really well. Um, and we didn't see a lot of the football in Fabian Shaw, which we're used to, um, but we did see um, some of the physical one, and, and that was good to see. Federico Fernandez was back to his usual best. I thought he was poor the other week, um, and I think uh, on Sun uh, Saturday, sorry, I thought he was excellent. I thought he was physical. I thought he stood up the challenge, um, and he was a leader from the back. Um, so yeah, I was. I, I'm impressed. If Newcastle United you can get that all of that centre halves fit at, at one time, you could literally pick any of them. It wouldn't be a worry who started because they're all they're all pretty good. Um, it's just getting them fit. I think there are long term question marks over the fitness of Kieran Clark. Um, he just doesn't seem to be able to get back fit consistently enough, um, and Paul Dummett especially. Um, Paul Dummett can play centre-half or left-back quite comfortably. I've got no fears worry to be named in either position moving forward for Newcastle United, but he's always been a, a two-thirds of a season man. He'll stay fit for two-thirds. It's becoming closer to a third of the season, if not a quarter. He, he's really struggling to get back from injuries now, um, which has got to be a long-term concern because you've got to pick a 25-man squad and it's no good if you're picking two or three players which Newcastle are probably going to in a couple of weeks' time and Dwight Gale, Paul Dummett, others who you've got no guarantee they're going to be fit for any length of time. 
Um, those are the type of players when you've got squads and they're tight squads that you can't carry people like that. You need you need players who are going to be fit, consistently fit and play. And I think that's where that's where Fab, uh, Ferry Fernandez stands head and shoulders above anybody in Newcastle's defences that come rain or shine, whatever game he's had previously, he always he's always fit for the next game and he'll always play. He might not be 100%, he might not give you uh, the best performance, but he's he's always he's always fit and always available. And for a manager, that kind of thing's invaluable. Uh, hi, Stephen Liam. What is your opinion on the signings? Mine is we would not have paid the price of the free signings if they'd had to pay for them. The £35 million spent was January's money. Yeah, I mean, look, we brought players in, Liam, um, but... You know, we haven't spent a great deal of money. And, you know, why? Well, Mike Ashley tends not to spend money. I think it's the praise has to be given on the fact that he's changed his mindset or allowed Steve Bruce and Co to change his mindset. And he's brought in players which are Premier League, you know, experienced, shall we say. Wilson's Premier League class. I think we've got him for a snip at 20 million in the current climate. Um, and I think Lewis is inexperienced, but he's got potential you mentioned earlier Liverpool were sniffing around him um Hendrick very experienced at Burnley as well do you know what I mean so what were brought in were tried and tested players that wouldn't need bedding in as far as the Premier League's concerned so I think it was a good window personally yeah and I think I think um people out there will, will not not disagree with you I think it was a good window I just think it lacked that little bit of uh, late action that I think would have convinced a lot of Newcastle United fans it was a fantastic window. Um, I think people were people do get a little bit carried away with the idea that there's going to be some kind of late drama. There never was going to be Newcastle. We thought for a time last week there might be, um, but I think a lot of that was dependent on getting Christian Atsu, DeAndre Yedlin, and maybe even Henri Saive out the out the door before the close of play. Um, and I think they probably could have been free to do something, but. I wrote a piece today with regards of, of, of Newcastle being hamstrung, the hands tied behind the back because of these kind of players who were stuck on the wage roll. Um, I'll be honest, some of the players that, that went to other clubs at the end of the window, and I'm talking about the two from Chelsea, were on astronomic wages. Um, we're talking about a, a Ruben Loftus Cheek who was on on a he was going to sign for Newcastle United. Um, in the January that Rafa Benitez was the manager and we got promoted out of the championship. Um, he was one of the Premier League-ready players that Benitez already had delivered with Andros Townsend. And we're not talking about a player who was on mega money then. We're talking about a player who is on probably double what anybody in the Newcastle United squad is on presently at Chelsea. Um, and we're talking about Fulham, who've paid half that wage at least. That's just not the kind of deal that I, I don't think I don't think Newcastle United would have would have bitten um, towards the end of the window on somebody like him for that very reason that financially it didn't make um, a huge amount of sense um, because he's on astronomic wages. Um, and that's something we're going to find in football, that, that some of these players, that is, is the, the COVID uh, impact, um, which, again, looking at the figures of what was spent in other leagues in, in Europe, the top leagues, and what was spent in the Premier League, doesn't really seem to have bitten the Premier League in a lot of ways. Um I think I think we will see that in in future windows that some of these players who who are, are on the fringes of England squads and they're good and they'll be rewarded by these top clubs with big wage packets might actually find it difficult to move elsewhere unless they take massive wage cuts to go to other clubs because the the gap between those perceived top six and the rest financially is absolutely astronomic. It's massive, um, and I think um, I think Ruben Loftus Cheek would have been fantastic for Newcastle United. Ross Barkley, as we've seen uh, on Sunday, playing for Aston Villa, is is when driven is a fantastic footballer. Um, and I would love to have seen both of them given uh, company Cass United and give a little bit of dynamism, um, a little bit of something different, um, a little bit of energy in that midfield, but it just wasn't to be. Um, and I think, I think overall, I think we can look back on the window and say, if you'd said at the start of the summer what the two priorities of Newcastle United signing were, would have been sort the striker out, would have been the above all above all else would have been the, the one thing we all wanted done. And then probably signing left back as well would have been the second on the list to most people. And Newcastle went out and did that and they went out and paid 35 million for the two. And I think um, we're gonna have very few complaints about the business that they did. And it was it was the manner they did it was good as well. 
which was so jarring compared to what we've seen under Mike Ashley. It was, it was, it was the week before the Premier League season. Nicasia needed reinforcements. We'd just been hammered off Middlesbrough, uh, and and they needed decisive, uh, meaningful action. And and actually, in fairness to the club's hierarchy, they went out and did what they they needed to do, which I don't think is anything we can really say um, they've done in the 13 years that Mike Ashley's been at the football club. Now, I'm also loath to celebrate that kind of action because celebrating that kind of action means it's a huge success. And although it was decent, it's only what you should do. Newcastle for the first window in a long time did what they had to do and did it properly. They haven't done anything like that in other windows. Even last summer when they spent a lot of money, they spent it on unproven talent from the, the continent with the idea of sell-on values. This time they went outside proven, experienced Premier League players in everything that they did, apart from Mark Gillespie, who was a proven lower league and proven Scottish Premiership goalkeeper, um, who was ranked, um, speaking to people up there, probably the third best goalkeeper in the division behind uh, Rangers and Celtics. So that tells you he was performing consistently last season and is a good number three. So overall, good business in my eyes. Could they have done more? Yes, of course they could. But we always want more and we always feel we need more, but there just isn't that space in the squad at present. Of course there's not you're right you're right 100 percent. give the uh give this a share guys give it a like hit the thumb please um marty says is playing in empty stadiums providing superb entertainment a lottery or a farce you touched on it earlier didn't you i mean it's definitely affecting the games liam it's it's massively affecting the games and and um i've seen if anybody follows edwards on on twitter he's not the most popular uh, Who? i know you don't he's not the most popular person out there but He's actually made some valid points this week, and I think there is a. Um, he compared it in some ways to like um, somebody playing a video game, FIFA, that you, you hear the fake crowd noise and it makes it feel a little more real than what it is. And I think that fake crowd noise that goes on when you watch a match of the day or when you're watching a um, live game does give a false sense of what football actually is. Um, if anybody out there, just give it a chance next time. Um, if you get the option on your TV, turn that noise off. That's what it actually is. It is a training ground exercise. There isn't the buzz. There isn't the feel. And I know everybody will say out there they're, they're highly paid, they're professionals. You should be able to perform whatever you do. It makes a difference. There are training ground players in football. Ask anybody, ex-professionals going back 50 years. They're people who will perform week in, week out on the training ground and look fantastic. And the manager will pick them on a Saturday and they'll look half the player that they do out on the training pitch. It makes a difference to footballers and it makes a difference to narratives in games um, where, where teams will suddenly be uplifted by a tackle, they'll be uplifted by a chance, a refereeing decision, the crowd will go. It does make a difference. And I do think we're seeing a, a watered-down version of football. Um, importantly, this isn't going to be forever. Um, and what Newcastle United have to do, um, given the situation off the field with the takeover, still rumbling on, but, but not um, anywhere near sight, uh, as an end game. Um, and then, obviously, with Steve Bruce, we've all, we've all seen the limitations, we've all got concerns about um, the quality that he brings to the table. Newcastle have just got to keep their heads above water during this really um, strange time for football. And they've just got to stay up this season. And if it goes next season, they've just got to stay up that season if, if the takeover is is, um, is present. Um, and I think, I think we'll be all right. Um, but I think football, you will see this. You might see Newcastle you're going to hammer off a few people. You might see them hammer a few people because football isn't the football that we know. Um, it's not even close to the football we know on a Sunday morning where you'll see 20 people around the pitch where they'll give a bit of noise and have a shout. And it's not even close to that. Um, it's very sterile um, as a, as a entertainment. Um, but we're not given that. We're not presented with that. And that was the point that Luke Edwards was quite... Uh, he was making some good points on it, to be fair. Um, was that, that it isn't the same. We're not... We're not seeing that. We're almost seeing a video game version of football and we're analysing it as if it's the real thing, but it is actually very different. I'm sorry, mate. You lost me when you said he was talking, uh, making making some valid <laughs> points. Like um, Liverpool have a third COVID player. Uh, is there any concern about this? Could lead to the suspension of the league? I don't think so because it's it's just look at a draw, isn't it? It can happen to anybody at any time. No, I think it would take it would take a lot of positive tests to see even a, a suspension of a game, never mind the league. I think there's a commitment there that this will continue unless it absolutely has to stop. 
Yeah. Okay. Mike Stewart says, "Who do you who does Liam think is our number two striker at Wilson at present? It seems he is the only real striker we have. I mean, my view would be Dwight Gale is your is your next striker um, when fit, uh, but at the minute it seems like Joel Linton. Well, Dwight Gale was is a funny one because I've actually seen reports and suggestions over the last few days he might not be fit until January, and that would be a big concern of mine. Um, I was told initially it could be November. Um, it looks like being a little bit further than that, if you believe what other people are writing. I don't know the exacts on that. Um, that would be a concern. But Dwight Gale is the only real other striker um, within the Newcastle United squad. Um, beyond that, I think you have to change things because Joe Linton has already proven that he is not um, he's not um, good enough to play as a, as a number nine, as a striker. Um, so I, I think you have to play. I, I quite like the experiment of Alan St. Maximin. I think Alan St. Maximin, given that freedom further up, is more of a striker than an Andy Carroll or more dangerous than an Andy Carroll or a Joe Linton up there. Um, but <laughs> we lose Callum Wilson and suddenly picked uh, Alan St. Maximin as your striker, then I don't think many, too many would be that fearful with regards to um, holding the ball up. And you can't have to change the whole style of play. So, yeah, it, it is, as I've mentioned, it is a, it's a problem area for Newcastle United. Yeah, no, it is 100%, mate. Uh, Steve, how do I sponsor the show? I'd like to donate a TikTok backlight for Liam. Yeah, you're getting what? darker. I know. Do you know what? I had had my phone on before with it, with a backlight. I thought it'd give us a little bit more, but um, it's died. It's virtually dead. So <laughs> I'm getting darker and darker. I'm going to have to come closer and closer. Big shout to you, Julie. Yes, I've just got your uh, I've just got your payment. You're travelling to come up and support the food bank. That's absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much. It'll be great to see you. No tickets sent out. Don't want to spread the COVID bug. So its name's on the door. Um, so your name will be added to the list. And uh, thanks, thanks for coming along. Uh, that's the Christmas party that we're having. Uh, COVID permitting, of course. So I just want to make sure that everybody can see that. There we go. Uh, at the Irish Centre in Newcastle, a stone's throw from St James's Park. Twelve pound a ticket in aid of the food bank, hosted by me. Live Q and A with Lee Clark. Liam will be there. A few of the girls, a few of the lads will be there. It should be a cracking night. And um, yeah. Get yourself along because it's in aid of the food bank. And if you missed out earlier as well, we do have the T-shirts finally on sale. NewcastleLegends.com. Same place you can buy the tickets for the Christmas do. Uh, limited T-shirts available. Thank you very much to QTech for sorting those out. Uh, Rich Story, thank you very much for your membership, mate. Much appreciated. Uh, Peter Davison, uh, Forrest have just sacked their manager. Do you think they'll go for Bruce? Someone asking as well if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gets sacked. Do you think Bruce will go there? Because uh, everybody at Manchester seems to think Bruce is doing a cracking job. Um, David Cruen says, Carol gives you an option later on as a sub if you need to go direct or defend as a lead. Uh, uh, a lead and he's probably our best defender in the air. Dave Harrison's mentioning the Forest of Sack the manager again. Tom Dixon, Liam, why did our transfer window close at 10 o'clock and the Scottish transfer window closes at 11? Surely they should close at the same time. Well, we, do, we don't do COVID things the same, so why the hell would the transfer <laughs> window be any different, Liam? I will point that out. I don't know what time the Scottish window closed, but the English window closed at 11. I don't, know right. you, I don't know if you've not changed your clocks, mate, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Baz Dost, Baz Dost you, you're going to get people excited. He says, why is I, Mike Ashley's helicopter frying into town? Christ, if it's frying, <laughs> there'll be celebrations. Yano says, 18 clubs in the Premier League have a manager that are tactically aware, so have a chance against the big six. Uh, Derek Sharp says, next week, Liam will be talking <laughs> from his local coal mine. <laughs> Dear me, yo. It is like that. Honestly, it is like that. When you watch this back, you'll be like surprised how dark it is. Uh, why is helicopter? Why is Ashley's helicopter in Newcastle? Okay, Buzz. I don't know, mate. Um, it, it's 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 not often that you know he's always in it. Either it can be could be somebody else using it. Forrester after Chris Hutton. Could we not do a swap for Bruce? Uh, Life goal says Liam. Who is the 17-year-old that Bruce mentioned as being on trial and the latest on the 23-year-old French trialist and South African centre half? I don't know a lot about the twenty-three-year-old. I think I think he could have come and gone. Um, the South African centre half was one put to me, um, and it was one that looked as though it was going to get done. Um, it may well still get done, um, but these are these are purely um, purely uh, under twenty-three signings. I, I don't remember the seventeen-year-old on trial. I think what? Like, please come back on. Correct me. If I'm wrong, but I think you're actually referring to 
I think the young lad's called Ellie Anderson, and I'm sure it was a 17-year-old boy that Steve Bruce has actually brought into the first-team squad from the youth squad um, and, and was along with the first team um, for the last couple of games. Um, definitely went down to uh, Newport and was on the bench. So please come back on, correct me if I'm wrong, if I've got that um, incorrect, but I actually believe that Steve Bruce was, was talking about somebody who's already on the books um, and has impressed him um, with his work on the training ground and was he wanted to see him involved and, and just give him a feel of what it was like to come away with the first team. Okay, that's good stuff. Um, next question, Billy Miller. I'll probably ask this question every day this week. Question to you both. Who is your favourite Newcastle captain post Shearer? Mine would be Nolan. Without doubt, Kevin Nolan is mine as well. Absolutely uh, fantastic captain. And anyone who smashes three goals past the Mackhams gets my vote. Uh, Liam? Uh, it would probably have to be Nolan as well, simply because of that, because he was he was a massive player for Newcastle United in that um, promotion season, in the season after, and even the back end of the season before. He was he was a big big player for Newcastle. Obviously, he's he's a Marmite figure with Newcastle United fans now, um, because of some of the things he said with regard to the Ashley ownership. But um, yeah, I think you can't take away from the fact that he was a fantastic player uh, on the pitch, scored some crucial goals. And so made some big, big impacts um, off the field and on the field for Newcastle United. Yeah, I've got to agree. Uh, do you think Dubravka comes straight back into the team? I think we've answered this one before, Chris. Yes, 100%. Yeah, it's it's no doubt. I'll be honest, I'm, I'll go into a little bit detail about this, but I think um, Caldola's been fantastic uh, in the early part of the season, but I've seen some people talking this week. I can't remember where this talk came from. Because Caldola should be in an England squad. Now, Come on, lads. This is the type of thing that makes Geordies look daft. This is the type of thing that makes us look stupid. We, we get ridiculed by people for saying these kind of things. If it wasn't John Joe Shelby should go to the World Cup or Jamal Lassell should be in the England squad, it's Isaac Hayden should be in the England squad, or, or it's now Carl Darlow. Carl Darlow does not, has done not, not done enough in any castanated shirt in the Premier League to be anywhere near an England squad, despite the fact Jordan Pickford's chucking them and dropping them and all sorts. Um, or Nick Pope's having a nightmare on St. St. James's Park with the weekend. These are lads who've consistently played well, not necessarily talking about Jordan Pickford. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Dean Henderson, um, not playing at Man United, but fantastic last season for Sheffield United. Nick Pope, a fantastic goalkeeper for Burnley over the last few years. These are players who've had consistency at the top level. Carl Darlow's played four games. Now, please don't be daft and start saying he should be in an England squad. Isaac Hayden's another one. Isaac Hayden, for me, is a good Newcastle United player, but he's the level of Newcastle United. He's not an England international in centre midfield. England, we're talking about as a, fo as a, as a, as a footballing side, are probably one of the top three or four um, on any given day in the world. They are a very, very good, dynamic footballing side. Isaac Hayden is a fantastic footballer for Newcastle United. He puts 100% in. He wins tackles. He's... Uh, He's dynamic in our team, but I don't feel he fits into an England side. He's not at that level, despite the fact he was an under-21 international. Um, yeah. The thing it makes me look daft when we start calling for these kind of things. I think bar Callum Wilson in that Newcastle United squad, there is nobody who would even warrant being close to an England squad. That might be a controversial opinion for people out there, but that's what football is about. It's about opinions, and for me... Calling for Carl Darlow to be in an England squad, despite the fact he's been the, the most informed and the busiest uh, Premier League goalkeeper um, this season, doesn't mean he should, deserves to be in, uh, called up by Gareth Southgate. And I think that's reflective of the fact he isn't. Did you see this interview with Ginola? I didn't. It was doing yeah. the rounds on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was a Mike Wedderburn, um, Sky Sports presenter. Um, uh, David Ginola, if I recall rightly, was talking about the fact that he moved from Paris to Newcastle and then there was a snigger in the background from uh, Mike Wedderburn and Ginola, fair play to him, cut him dead straight away and said, what are you laughing about? Which I thought was actually quite good because he was almost making it, he was sniggering and making a joke of the fact you would move from Paris to Newcastle, which we all know is absolutely daft. Of course, Paris one of the, one of the most fantastic um, capital cities in Europe, in the world. Um, but come on, this is our great city, and we're not going to have people like that put me down. No, Darren Cowan, you're asking about a great idea showing the games in cinemas. Unfortunately, cinemas are now going 
bust and, and closing. Cineworld has now just announced that they're closing until further notice because uh, James Bond has run away from COVID. So uh, that's uh, highly unlikely, unfortunately. Um, Liam, is there any idea when Dubravka's back? They did see October, didn't they? Yeah, he's. Um, I would suspect he'd be knocking on door by the time that we come back um, after the international break. But there's not because of Darlow's form, there isn't the, the need to rush him back. If Darlow had been chucking them in left, right, and centre, and Gillespie had been doing the same, then you might be really pushing um, Dubravka to be back quicker than what he needs. He needs to be, but um, there isn't really that need at the moment. So uh, I think he'd be back. I think he'd be knocking on the door by the time Man United comes round. And if he's not back for Man United, he'll be the one after. Yeah, Paul Brunton says, come on, let's admit it. Liam knows nothing. He's in the dark. Uh, Tom Lynch says, if the takeover goes through, do you think that the Deadwood players will be paid off and released? I think that's it's impossible to say. Um, I don't think if there was a takeover, I don't think there would be the same level of scrutiny over who was Deadwood within the squad. The financial model that we work under, Mike Ashley, is he doesn't want to be paying too many people who are on the fringes of the squad. But I think whether a takeover and a little bit of fresh money brought in the football club, it wouldn't be quite so strict. And I don't think we'll be worrying about bringing a footballer in if we hadn't saw the Christian Atsu or got rid of a DeAndre Yedlin. I think we'll just bring a footballer in. So I don't necessarily think it's it's a fair playing field, to be honest. Yeah, loads of questions. We're not going to get through them all tonight. And um, keep, you know, uh, from from our perspective, it's uh, you know, it's great to have all your input. And this is definitely one of the shows where we get the most questions. So please keep tuning in each week. Me and Liam is, are going to do a special as well. We're going to do it tonight, but Dunstan's playing tonight, so I didn't want to rush it. I want to do it properly. Liam's been doing his homework on all the managers who've managed Newcastle under Ashley. So Sunday, three o'clock. Uh, obviously, we haven't got any uh, games this weekend. Internationals, obviously, uh, international break. Um, so not uh, Sunday. I think we're going to do three to four, aren't we, Liam? And we're going to discuss the managers, and uh, we're going to do a little poll on the Facebook page. So if you follow the uh, Facebook page, NUFC Matters, we'll stick a poll on there, um, and we're going to actually iron this out once and for all. Who Newcastle fans feel is the worst manager that Ashley's had, um, you know, in his time at the club? So be interesting. That I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so that'll be on Sunday. Three o'clock. Rich Story says, "If we're all fully, if they're all fully fit, who would your front four be?" I thought it was set in stone as ASM, Miggy, and Fraser with Wilson up top. However, with Joe Linton looking better in a deeper role, does it change? Good question, Rich. I think Rich, yeah, there's there's a there's a case to be made. Would you play uh, Almiron or would you play Joe Linton? And I think Joe Linton's really worked himself into the the thinking over the last few weeks. Um, we we maybe were a little bit too quick to judge him after that Blackburn game. He hadn't done a lot of training um, that summer and he came in was very, very poor. But since then, there's been a steady improvement, albeit, of course, it is a, a very low base. But I've actually been reasonably impressed by Joe Linton. He's got limitations. He's not a £40 million footballer. But once we look past that price tag then and we realise that he's a footballer that's on our books and we're going to have to get the best out of him, it's easy to see that he has made those improvements. Um it's painful to watch him sometimes. He's a little bit slow and reacting to things, but his work rate um, and his, his heart um, in recent weeks and a little bit of quality here and there has made a big difference. And, and he is a, he is now he's now gone from being an absolute write-off at Newcastle United to potentially being a little bit of an option, a different um, option in that forward um, Me personally, Miguel Almiron if, uh, is, is, a, is a player that would almost certainly always start for me. Um and I don't necessarily think he needs to play in that 10 role because I think he's looked a little bit lost there this season. Um, I've always thought, could he not play on the wing? I know that's really cliched, saying a quick boy, little quick boy, put him on the wing. But I genuinely believe that he could do a job out there. And um, depending on the formation that Steve Bruce wants to move forward with, I think Almiron always, for me, will, will be in that side because of the work rate and effort that he gives you. But Saying that in the same in the same breath that when he's been given the opportunity in recent weeks he hasn't really impressed, um, and I think that's been um, been really positive for Joe Linton that he's been allowed to come in and have an impact. Um, Wilson picks himself, Fleming Fraser and and Alison Maximin always pick themselves as well. We haven't seen from Fraser yet, but he is a fantastic Premier League footballer, and I, and I fully believe that he'll create and score goals when he cast United for not only this season but moving forward beyond. What do you make about Yeno's question there? He says, Liverpool managed without a real number nine. Do you think Joe could play a Firmino role with ASM and Miggy? 
Look, there were comparisons with um, from the people who you speak to who've been involved in his development. I managed to speak to somebody um, last season, um, and they do talk. There is talk of Firmino, um, and they do. It, it's from the Hoffenheim link. Firmino was there as well. I think there were visions that he could potentially become something similar. Um, it's just not happened. Um, I don't think he is at that level. Um, and could he do it? Yes, but I think you would have to have a really tactically astute manager to set Newcastle it up in that formation to get the best out of Joel Linton in that role. Um, and that's not trying to be too critical of Steve Bruce because he deserves credit when he when it goes well and he doesn't often get it. Um, and I'm not his biggest fan, but I just don't feel like um, he's got that tool and he's locked out a set up in that kind of continental style the way that Jurgen Klopp would. Okay, five minutes to go. Uh, try and get a few more questions. Graham says, do you think Mike Ashley smiling and looking relaxed is a sign that the takeover is going well behind the scenes? I, I don't think he read much too, too much into it. Um, I, I think he, I think he's made an obvious ploy this season to look like the caring owner to suddenly be turning up at games. I think that certainly helps his legal case. But to be honest, that you can scratch the surface and see that he hasn't been much of a caring owner for the 13 years previous to this. So... Yeah, I wouldn't read too much into his smiles. Okay, Chris says, uh, any news on the new contracts in the pipeline? We've got a lot of players out of contract in June, like Fernandez, Shaw, Gale, Clark, Murphy. Any whispers on on potentially more deals getting done with players at the club already? So all of those mentioned, yes, um, there have been talks. So we'll wait and see. Okay. Oh, well, that's good news. Um, somebody asking here about Rolando. George, uh, Rolando Aarons, why has he been consistently frozen out? He had so much potential. Got into a bit. Was he the one who got into a bit of bother? Um, and yeah, you know, I don't, he's, know how, I don't know how public knowledge that is, but yes, he did get in bother um, under Benitez um, on the training. That ground. was, yeah, yeah, was it the training ground? Was it a social incident as well? Was it was it him? It was, it wasn't was it? A, when he social incident with regards to his family, which he ended up going. To uh, I was, I was, I was mm. actually in the bar. It was Lavello. It was the weekend Newcastle played Man United Legends, and um, yeah, New they were upstairs. Club. I, I was downstairs. This bother kicked off upstairs, you know, com- conspicuous by my absence. But yeah, yeah I remember that. Where you've had to step in. Where you've had to step yeah. in and people in the headlock and get them out the back door. <laughs> I've retired. I've retired from all of that. <laughs> so, well, Rolando Ahrens is, um, yeah, I, I think I think he was somebody that, that a manager like Rafa Benitez just didn't get. Um, he didn't get um, what had gone on in that, that public incident. There are also problems um, on the training pitch. I'll not mention the other player, but um, he did give he did actually give a very big, high-profile centre-forward hiding uh, while he was at Newcastle United, which came was a surprise to very few, very, a lot of people on the training pitch. Um, I'll let you I'll let you all out there work out who it might have been given the time that he was in Newcastle. Um, yeah, so so I, I don't think he did himself any favours with his behaviour off the field and on the training pitch. Um, and I think for a lad with a bit of ability, um, he's probably never going to be a consistent Premier League performer. Um, so I don't yeah. think we can really, there'll be no tears shed if he ends up leaving the club from me. No, me neither. Great stuff. I've uh, got through a load of questions there tonight, Liam. Uh, hopefully, you'll not be in the dark next week. <laughs> Somebody you know, sponsors, I'm going to get a backlight in. I'm going to get one in from the in case I'm in this back room again. <laughs> uh, it's an absolute classic. Uh, how are you, ma'am? Liam, we invented the light bulb up here. We will have to set up a crowdfund to buy Liam a light. So there's <laughs> lots of people. <laughs> Tom Dixon's already on the detective phone. He says, it wasn't Nail Ranger, was it, Liam? Uh, it wasn't Nail Ranger, was it? He'd long gone. He'd long gone by then. Um, as I said, Liam, we'll be back on Sunday. We're going to do a special three to four with it being international weekend. Um, and we're going to do uh, the managers under Ashley. Uh, we'll go through them all. Uh, talk about some happy memories with the likes of Joe Kinnear and Alan Pardew and John Carver. <laughs> um, and, and talk about all the yeah, all the successful times that we've had under Mike Ashley. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting show, that. Picking the bones out of that. I think uh, a lot of comparisons, a lot of stories. And I'm sure we'll have a bit of fun. Hopefully, you'll all be... Uh, will be able to join in and um people asking about match day live um we are getting the flyer knocked up we are going to do a match day live on saturday we're going to do it at half past 12 um what we're going to do is as you watch everyone watches this on youtube we need you to open one window on youtube on a link that we're going to send out which is newcastle versus man united the five nil game and then uh you can watch us talk about that game so we're going to have a, a retro game at the weekend which should be should be enjoyable and it'll give us all a chance to wax lyrical about the uh the entertainers and keegan and 
Philip Albert's goal and Alan Shearer waving to the Man United fans. It's uh, it's a game which you never get sick of watching. So we're going to do a retro uh, a retro running commentary of that at the weekend instead of a game, which should be good. Brilliant, brilliant, wow. fantastic memories. Yeah, give us a shout out, Liam, for your stuff that you uh, uh, like to mention, just about the Gazette, etc. Well, like I've mentioned here before, um, if you like what I do in a little bit of a different light, um, you can you can subscribe to the Gazette. Um, we, we work on a different model. There are a lot of people out there. We don't rely on clicks. We're not going to give you that clickbait rubbish that other people might give you. Um, we rely upon people paying for our content. It's cheap. Um, you can buy sports packages for £35 a year. We'll get you, you get all your match day coverage. You get all the sports analysis across Newcastle United, Sunderland, and other clubs as well. Um, so yeah, we're kind of promoting that at the moment. So there's a link in my um, Twitter account. Um, if anybody wants to have a look, anyone wants to help out the kind of stuff that we do, um, chip in, help out. Um, and that allows me to do things like this um, on my nights off. But I promise I'll put a little bit of that money. If anybody buys a subscription package, I'll make sure there's a new light bulb in this room for next time. <laughs> Classic. Good stuff, mate. As always, uh, great to have you on. Tomorrow night, I'll be back with uh, Super Mac and with uh, John Gibson on Wednesday night. I'm off to watch Dunstan play now. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Liam, thanks, as always. Always great insight. Great to have you on, and I'll see you on Sunday. Take care, mate. Good night. Right. Cheers, Steve.